this working? I have my calendar to actually need a microphone to hear me, right? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing? Well, y'all, we're so blessed that y'all are here with us this morning. Um, but I'm, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm nervous. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you that when they asked me to bring a message to you, I immediately started thinking of things like, I'm not a pastor. I, I don't know how to put a sermon together. And um, I, I even asked them, like, are you sure y'all are asking the right person, right? <laughs> are you sure? Because if you really know me, then you know my short memory <laughs> and my lack of attention to details. And for some reason, this gets so much way worse when I'm behind the steering wheel of my car. <laughs> Y'all don't even know how many exit signs I've missed on the way to where I'm going. It's bad, y'all. <laughs> like one time, me and my mom were going somewhere, and I missed the same exit three times. <laughs> and so by the time I actually parked my car in the parking lot, me and my mom were so dizzy from laughing and going in circles and circles. You know how it is, right? You're in the car, you're talking, you're laughing, and having a good old time. And then I look over at my passenger spaces, and then I start to hear the questions. Wasn't that our exit? Right? Or they'll say, do you even know where you're going? <laughs> and so what I usually have to end up doing is I usually have to end up going to the next exit, going all the way back around and kind of starting all over again, right? And I really have to focus on where I have been, really look at the exit signs and the landmarks. Okay, that's a Walmart, right? I have to really focus on where I've been to know where I'm headed. And in thinking about this, I realize how much we rely on physical markers in our life to give us direction and locations. But what about spiritual markers? I mean, you would think that those were even more important, right? Have y'all ever heard of a spiritual marker? I hadn't until preparing for this word. And God opened my eyes to them in his word. Let's pray. God, you, you are a God of wonder and of mystery. But yet you, you withhold nothing from us. You give us everything we need in your word, Father God. So I just ask, Lord, that your, your word become alive here in this place and that it penetrates our, our minds and our hearts and our spirits. Help me, Father God, to give this message the way you've been pouring it into me for weeks now. 
Help us to get to know you, Father God, and what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so you guys might be wondering, like, how in the world did this girl find landmarks and exit signs in the Bible? Yeah, I know that back then, they're not riding on their cows and horses and come up to a sign that says Red Sea, exit, half a mile, right? Or that they're not riding their cows along and they come up to a landmark that says Noah's Ark Museum. We don't see any of that. But what do we see that can be used as landmarks in the Word of God. We see stones. What do we see that can be used as exit signs? We see altars. You see, stones and <coughs> altars were used to mark a place or a moment where there was an encounter with God. To remember promise and provision and relationship to give direction and a purpose. So let's open the word of God and see. So in Genesis, we've been introduced to Abram. He's married to Sarai, and they are living in Haran, minding their own business until there's a moment. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. It will bless those who bless you and curse those. I will bless those that bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lord and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, and his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a camp beside the Oak of Horeb. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and all to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward Negev. So what's happening here? Abram is being led by God with direction, right? Leave your country and go to where I will show you. He's getting a promise. 
I will make you into a great nation. He has shown his purpose. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. The Lord appears a second time and Abram receives a legacy. I will give this land to your descendants. I mean, that's a lot to take in, right? We know the story of Abram, and we read that later on the Lord promises him an heir, a son. God tells him that he will have more descendants in the, than the stars in the skies. And we know that this does come true. Abram becomes Abraham, the father of all nations. So what is Abraham's response to the word that God had given him? He looks around and he finds some stones laying on the ground and he piles them up on top of each other and he marks that moment. He marks that spot. We've all been lost and needing direction in our lives. We found ourselves not knowing which way to go in a decision about a relationship, a move, or a job. I know I have felt lost and have gone to God asking him which way I should go in ministry or in church. We cry out to God, show me the way, God. And then he does. Maybe today you don't know what your, your purpose is. You have prayed and asked God to show you, and now you're in the waiting. Abraham waited 25 years for his son. When we are at these crossroads, we pray and God answers. He answers us with direction. Yes, take that job. Or no, don't get into that relationship. And he gives us a promise. A promise of salvation. A promise of freedom from addiction. Or of never being, feeling left alone again. These are moments that forever tell your story, right? They mark your spirit forever. Do we tell others about them? I believe that Abram told his story. Surrounded by, in the campfire, surrounded by his family, and in the presence of his son. In Genesis 26, we read that Abram has died and God blesses his son Isaac. So there's a, a severe famine, and so he moves, and he settles in the land with, of the Philistines and with King Amalek. God blesses Isaac so much that he is very a very wealthy man, and his wealth continues to grow. Even so, Isaac is really going through some challenges. <clears throat> Everywhere he turns, someone is out to get him and destroy him. 
The Philistines become jealous and they fill up Isaac's wells with dirt. And these were the wells that had been built by his father, Abraham. King Abimelech orders Isaac to leave the country. And he tells him, go somewhere else because you have become too powerful for us. So he moves away and eventually he opens, reopens those wells that Abraham had dug. And he, he finds a new spring. And he's excited. Finally, things are starting to, to turn his way. But then other shepherds come around and they claim that the springs belong to them. I mean, like poor Isaac, he's dealing with one thing after another after another. I have felt that way many times, and I know some of you are feeling that way today. You try to move forward, but no matter what, something or someone pushes you back to square one. You're tired, frustrated, and you're losing faith. But there is hope. In verse 24, it says, The Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you, and I will multiply your descendants, and you will become, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Isaac then built an altar there, and he worshiped the Lord. So what is his response to this? He sees some stones on the ground. He piles them up on top of each other, and he worships God. He's worshiping because though he's going through all these obstacles and all this turmoil and hard times, God was with him. There was a continued covenant with God that went from one generation to another, right? He inherited these wells from his father, but he inherited even more from our father. Do you remember the amazing day of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior? Or maybe of being baptized? <coughs> That beautiful moment when you come up out of the water and you're all glorious and the doves are flying above your head and then you hear click and they take that picture of you on the bosom and, and crying doing the ugly crying face. I mean, there was no filters, no anything, really. But in that moment, we become co-heirs with Jesus Christ and in the inheritance of our Father. Everything in heaven is now ours. And so, I mean, what is our inheritance? Is it salvation? Yes, that's an amazing thing that when we go to heaven, It'll be for eternity, right? 
But what about now? What about today? If our salvation is enough for us, then we don't understand the heart of the Father at all. You see, I believe, and the Word says, that our inheritance is Jesus Christ himself. Because the Word says he is our peace. He is our comforter. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Everything Jesus is, is our inheritance on this side of heaven. I can look back and see a time when I never thought I would get over the sadness of divorce. But God was with me. And how has he been with you? In depression? In abuse from others? Or maybe even an abuse from yourself. I mean, take a moment and really think about it. His word tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us. The struggles are there. Man, the struggles are there. But so is he. He is with us in them. Have you marked those moments in your life of his faithfulness? Have you marked them in your mind and in your heart? Do we look back and remember our inheritance? Do we tell the stories of the people that we love? I believe Isaac did with his son. Y'all, in Genesis 27-33, there's a whole lot that happens in these chapters. So now we're moving forward a little bit more, right? Isaac is married to Rebecca and has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Shout out to my uh, our women's Bible studies. We just studied this. <laughs> if you're familiar with this story, then you know that Isaac, um, Esau, is Isaac's favorite, right? And Jacob is Rebecca's favorite. She helps Jacob steal Isaac's blessing from Esau. I mean, like, she gets a Mother of the Year award for that, right? Moms, no matter how much yelling you did this morning to your kids, you're still not Rebecca. And so Jacob flees, and he ends up working for Laban. And he falls in love with his daughter, Rachel. He is now on the other end of deceit. He tripped before, and now he's being tricked. And he ends up getting a two-for-one blue light special deal with Leah. Y'all remember that, right, Kmart? <laughs> so now he's married to both of them, and he's working for Laban. And God blesses him with success. He's successful at everything he touches. But Laban is always trying to trick him out of building his own wealth and territory. So Jacob now sees that he is no longer seen as an asset, but now he's seen as a threat. So he flees with his wives 
and his possessions, but Laban, Laban catches up with him. And they go back and forth at it, they go at it back and forth, and they, and they finally come to a, an agreement, and they make peace, and they form a covenant. Chapter 31, verse 45 reads, So Jacob took the stone and set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives to gather some stones. So they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there. They shared a meal. Laban says, This heap is a witness between you and me today. This is to remind them of the covenant that they had made. Every time they would pass these stones, they would be reminded of the peace between them. Then Jacob receives a word from God to go back home. But there's one problem waiting for him at home. Esau. Remember, he had done Esau wrong. And he knew that Esau was a hunter and a fighter. So he was scared, right? So he sends word ahead to Esau that he's coming home and he prays. He prays for Esau to forgive him and not want to seek revenge on him. He prays hard. And then he gets word that Esau has now gathered 400 of his men and is coming out to meet him. He's freaking out. I would have been too. I think we all would have been. But to his surprise, Esau came in forgiveness and peace. He threw his arms around Jacob and hugged him and kissed him, and they both cried. I mean, that's awesome. What a beautiful story. So what does Jacob do with this? Jacob finds some stones on the ground, and he piles them up. And in chapter 33, verse 18, we read, After traveling to Shechem, Jacob buys a piece of land and builds an altar there to worship God, who had rescued him from Esau and blessed him with peace. He calls it Elohim Israel, which translated means the God of Israel. We read in a previous chapter that on his way to meet Esau, he wrestles with God. He has this moment with God. And some people think that it is a, a symbolic of his wrestling with his own guilt from tricking Esau, right? Some thoughts are that it's symbolic of him just feeling so awful that he, he took the blessing the wrong way in deceit and now he wants the blessing in the right way from God. And so he tries to force God to give it to him. So he does receive the blessing and here is the moment when God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And in the translation that we just read, we see that 
This is a moment now of him taking ownership of God. His name was Jacob, and now it's Israel. So in saying the God of Israel, what is he saying? He is saying, this is my God. You see, we can claim God is our own, and the stories that we tell our family and our children and our grandchildren, they can encourage them and introduce them, and it can build a relationship between the God that we know and the God that wants to be known to them, right? We don't have campfires in the deserts, but we do have dinner tables and we do have porches that we can sit and tell them the way God moved for us. We also heard about forgiveness in this story. And in a previous series, we heard that as believers, we are called to forgive others and we are called to ask for forgiveness. Many of you were transparent and admitted that you struggle in this area. We gathered as a church and we prayed and God answered. We heard stories of, of reconciliation. Relationships were restored. We found peace in forgiving someone that we may never hear an apology from. If that was you, did you mark that moment in your mind and in your heart? What, what I think is so cool is that we just went through three generations of remembrance. Each generation shared their story. Abraham shared with Isaac. Isaac shared with Jacob. How do we know that? Each one worshiped God, honored God, honored God the same way as their father. Each story pointed the, the next generation in the right direction towards God. We see this in the New Testament as they go back and they tell the stories of the Old Testament, the prophecies, the victories, the faithfulness of God. They look in the past and they see how God moved. And they hang on to that as they move forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't even imagine how many generations are in the Bible stories that we read. And it makes me wonder how many generations will come out from your stories. You see, they used stones from wherever they were on their journey, from town to town, or from camp to camp. And we can do the same thing too, but with our words. We can use the stories of how God moved us from trial to trial and from victory to victory. Wherever we are on our walk with God, whether you're a new believer or you've been following Jesus for all your life. You have a story to tell. 
We can look back and we can see altars of promise and provision and relationship. And we can see how God has been and see the direction where God has been and see where he's wanting to take us. We have a past with God. And we have a future with God. So, in, in having one ounce of confidence to be up here speaking to y'all this morning, I had to go back. I had to go back to the moments where God called me out. <laughs> where God wanted obedience from me. Years ago, at the beginning of my journey with God, I was asked to give a word at Tent City back then, but now it's Grace Campus. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not homeless. What could I possibly tell them? And God met me there, and he gave me a message of hope to give to them. And then, a few years later, I was asked to give a word at the Emmaus community, Emmaus Walk, and I was freaking out. <laughs> these are seasoned believers. These are these are people that have been following Jesus forever, and they and they are strong in their faith. and And I thought, oh, what am I going to tell them? And God gave me a word of connection for us, right? And so. I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel equipped for this. But I had a, a, I could go back and I could see the spiritual markers that had been developed in my life through the years. And I could pull from that and I could, I could depend on that. And I knew with confidence, not in my ability, but I knew in confidence that God would get me through this. So, I have two-part challenge for y'all. We always want to challenge ourselves to grow, to mature, and to learn. And so, the first part of my challenge is to study and get to know the stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And to use them to help guide us on our journey, to help us to be brave, have courage in the lion's dens of our lives. We don't have lion's dens, actual lion dens, but we have lions that are trying to devour us, right? <clears throat> Help us to have the faith of Esther and the wisdom of Samuel. So the second part is to take time and really focus and recognize the altar moments in your life from this moment forward, right? Recognize and be aware and notice the moments that he rescues you and that he restores you and that he defends you. To place a stone in these moments in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. To build altars. How do we do that today? We can't have everybody laying out stones everywhere we go. I would be tripping over them every five minutes. 
I mean, can you imagine going to United and you're pushing your car and all of a sudden you hit something and you look over and there's a pile of rocks, an altar from a single mom who begged God for a way to feed her children. I've been there. And Lord knows we have altars and stones all over the gas stations right now. People begging God to give them money to put gas in their car. I mean, we can't do that now, right? But what can we do? How do we bring this into our life today? If you're a journal writer, you can journal all the moments that God has moved for you and met you. You can buy a calendar that is specifically for God and mark in all the little squares what he did. Then at the end of the year, you can look at that whole calendar and see his hand in your life. You can re record it by taking a picture or a video. I have a picture of when I, would, I have, a, have a picture of when I did give that word at Tent City Campus, or Grace Campus. I have a picture of that, and I go to it when I need courage. I have a picture of my baptism at E-Life. Embarrassing, but it's there. <laughs> you can create a prayer room, altar room. And you can put your mementos, I, you know, I have stuff from my Emmaus walks in a little shadow box and I open it up and I look at it and I remember and I'm just so filled with love and peace and, and just awesome. You can, you can write poetry or like Brother Justin, he writes music. Pastor Furman wrote music. If you're an artist, you can paint or draw your stories. And some people like to put art on their body and tell their God story with that. I have one tattoo that I got at the end of my divorce. It says strength. And because that is the time when I relied on God's strength more than any other time in my life. <clears throat> so get creative with your altars. Get creative with your spiritual markers. It's your God story. So now we're going to pray and we'll spend some time in worship. And there's this song that God has literally been ministering to me over the last few weeks. And I believe that there's something in it for you as well. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you today. And, and we thank you, Father, that you walk alongside of us, you lead us, you walk behind us, you surround us with your word and with your love. And we thank you that you gave us your son, Jesus to be our inheritance. I ask, Father God, that each one of us now, that we 
We remember, as the song plays, Father God, that you just, like a video, like a film, you just play the moments of, of our lives where you have moved for us. That we don't leave this place without acknowledging your power and your mercy and your grace, Father God. That from this moment on, our spiritual eyes are opened to these moments. I pray that we have courage and the, the faith, Father God, to just speak out our stories to our next generations, our children and our grandchildren, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, that we no longer be silent. Holy Spirit, open our mouths and give us the words to say, to move the gospel of Christ forward. Forgive us for being selfish at times, Father God, when we think that Salvation is, is all we need. We don't need anything else. We just have to be worried about, I'm going to heaven. That's not what your word is, God. You didn't just care about you. You didn't, Jesus didn't just care about him. Give us that heart, Father God, that servant heart of wanting to care for others by preaching your word to them. By telling our story, being the example of what you can do, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for these.